When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland and this is The Leader. Facebook has played a pretty big role in a lot of people's lives over this lockdown, not always without controversy. It's simultaneously a place where people can keep in touch with family and friends, but also spread conspiracy theories about 5G masts. They've even gotten around with an entire country recently after blocking news on the platform in Australia over laws that would make tech companies like them pay for content from newspapers that appear on their websites. That one seems to have been resolved. Well, lockdown in the UK is coming to an end. So what's next for Facebook? In this edition of The Leader, we're joined by its VP for Northern Europe, Steve Hatch. I speak to him about the company's role in helping this country ease out of pandemic restrictions. What actually happened in Australia? What are they doing about disinformation? And what's the future of the office? Steve, let's start with the big news this week, which is, of course, that Boris Johnson has announced the UK's roadmap out of lockdown. Is there a role for companies like yours, social media platforms like Facebook, to play in bringing the UK outside again, getting us away from screens and getting back to something like normality? Yeah, hello, David. And I think there's been a really clear role that we can play. And I think that like all organisations, the immediate moment when we saw the pandemic arrive, you know, any company is going to be going, okay, what can we do? You know, how can we help people? How can we ensure our employees are safe and well and able to operate? And how can we all contribute to what is clearly a global challenge uh, in the UK? So that was almost the mindset we set out with kind of nine or 10 months ago. Like we want to be able to look back in a year's time to say, did we do everything we could do? But certainly the, the kind of most important areas for for us at Facebook have been, how can we make sure people see credible and accurate information? And of course, the other big part of this is helping businesses. You know, businesses, large and small, but particularly small businesses. And in fact, there are over 2 million small businesses who use our platforms in, in the UK alone to be able to sell within the UK and actually beyond the UK and export. So how can we help them develop the skills, the knowledge and the capabilities to enable them to um, to, in some cases, survive you know, and, and get through this, and in other cases, really thrive and make that pivot towards uh, kind of online commerce. So there's a couple of things I want to bring up with you there. We'll, we'll talk about the, the business and online commerce in a second, but you 
First of all, mention there that that disinformation and the, the 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 importance of the accuracy of news. Now, everybody who's been reading the newspapers recently will know that Facebook and Australia have been having some disagreements about this one, where Facebook apparently banned news in Australia on its social platforms. What happened there, Steve? Would you do that in the UK? Well, it's, what's pleasing is is that when at the time that we're having this interview, it's actually just been announced that we've reached a, a, a point of agreement with the Australian government, and we're able to now switch back the access to Australian Facebook users to to news, and also uh, to news providers outside of Australia to Australians as well. But just taking a step back to how we got there, it was really around the challenge that we saw in the legislation in particular, which was effectively you know uh, 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 forcing us into a position where it would be almost impossible for us to, to, to operate. We don't go and take content. Now, actually, publishers, large and small, choose to post onto Facebook. And actually, the, that, 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 uh, that basis was being, um, uh, was, was deeply challenged by, by the proposed legislation. And what we're really pleased to be is in, in a position where um, we're able to re-establish kind of the pro- the provision of views. I want to be really clear: it was not a decision we wanted to take at all, but we really didn't feel we had a choice at that moment. Now we've uh, we've everybody's been at the negotiating and conversation table, and it's great that we're able to get in a position where we can move forward. In answer directly to to do I think that can happen in the UK, the UK has taken quite a different approach in this. And it's important to say that nobody disagrees with this, with the, with the goal, which is how do we find the ways of protecting and valuing and sustaining journalism, quality journalism in all its forms. And by all its forms, I mean national and particularly, I mean local. Just last month, we launched what's called Facebook News, which is an entire dedicated part of the Facebook app, wholly about news. And, uh, and the articles and pieces from uh, the publishers that choose to post in there. You know, we are there is a commercial relationship where um, where where Facebook pays you know, for them to be able to uh, uh, Facebook pays for that content that was in there, that, that that exists within Facebook News. And I'm really pleased. I mean, it launched originally in the US. It's proven really good for people, really good for uh, for publishers, uh, and, and really good for journalism. Yeah, and I'm really proud that we that, uh, that the UK is one of the first markets outside of the US that has launched, and the partners that we're launching with, including um, ESI, the kind of owners of uh, owner this very podcast that we're speaking on as well. But that's not the only thing we've done. The additional thing we've done is we're now in year three uh, in the UK of the Facebook Community News Project, and right now that means that we are funding. 80 journalists um, up and down the country focusing specifically on local and community news and also ensuring that there's a, that those, that those those journalists those new entrants into the world of journalists are, are as diverse as possible and I think newsrooms up and down the country have done an amazing job in looking to recognize how they want their newsroom to reflect the diverse nature of the communities they serve so I'm yeah, in the UK, Facebook News plus the journalism project is, uh, you know, these aren't the first things we've done. They're not going to be the last things we've done. But I, I really do believe that, that, that there can be a strong coexistence 
amongst publishers and platforms, particularly, particularly if everybody is encouraging the level of innovation that's taking place right now. Did Facebook react quickly enough? We're talking about disinformation. Did it react quickly enough to deal with the disinformation to deal with, to do with the coronavirus when this first emerged and the conspiracy theories that came up that were spread through your platform, but also others as well? I believe we did, actually. We moved very, very quickly. And, you know, some of this is 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 off the uh, we're in a position to move quickly because over the last few years, I have to say, not least of all, because of the hard lessons we learned in the in the, the 2016 election in the US around how do we protect our systems? How do we ensure that harmful content is detected and removed as quickly as possible? On the areas where we've been working on this for the longest, such as terrorism content, you know, we proactively detect and take down over 99% of the total content that we take down. Now, if you go back some years, you know, actually our only way of, of, of removing content and identifying it was when it was reported by the people that use Facebook. You know, the community reporting was our, was our approach. That's not the case anymore. Billions of pounds of investment, tens of thousands of people. By the way, if we were reducing kind of misinformation, what we would do is we'd put an overlay, uh, which 95% of people wouldn't then go through the overlay. But those people that would see that overlay, what they would see is the correct information. So it gave an opportunity for people to be informed in addition to, I think, something like 2 billion visits that we've driven to the WHO, the NHS and others. So like, we know we can be a real force for good in, in getting people to the correct place. But we also know we've got a really big responsibility in ensuring that we're, that, that we're minimising and, 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 and reducing and removing anything that um, is counterproductive to you know, the goal that we've all got. Let's do the ads now. And while they're on, hit subscribe to make sure you never miss our news, interviews, features and commentary. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So after a year of lockdown, another few months left, but we're going to be coming out of this. How different is this country going to be? In, in, from your perspective, Steve, from the perspective of Facebook, how different are things going to be? How are people going to be different? How are businesses going to be different? How are you going to work with that? Wow. I mean, it's such a huge question. And I think the, uh, the, the honest answer anyone can give is just, I, you know, no one knows for sure. But maybe if, if I can, you know, look back about some of the things that we've seen and, you know, perhaps project those forward and it might give us some some kind of picture. And if I look at that from a from a um, commercial from a commerce perspective, you know, there's some very incredible figures here. We've really seen 15 years of innovation happen in nine months. And, you know, what I mean by that is the UK has always been actually the leading e-commerce country in the world as a share of total retail. So the UK was 15% and then it got to 20% of a total amount of, of retail that takes place. That would be e-commerce rather than uh, um, kind of physical commerce or kind of omni-channel. 
the best estimate I've seen or the lowest estimate I've seen uh, is that that's a 30 percent now. And actually, if you take grocer out of that, it looks more like 40 to 45 percent of total retail is now e-commerce. So that's uh, given that it was growing at about one and a half percent share a year. You can see why yeah, that really is a decade has occurred within the nine months in the world of business. Now, last year we developed, and this is a product developed by the engineers um, who are based in the UK. Now they create their product called Facebook Shops, which is effectively the back end to enable every single business uh, in, in the UK, regardless of their size, to be able to set up an online store or an online shop um, via their Facebook page. It's proven to be really, really successful and, uh, and, and has been, you can imagine just how critical that's been for many organizations when the only way we could buy or the only way that could bring us their products was, was, was online. That's been a real success. The next step of that in Facebook shop is effectively bringing all of those into one place, into a dedicated destination on Facebook that we we really hope is going to be great for businesses and also great for people as well. I think during this pandemic, there have been three main issues that people want to know is one is when are my kids going back to school? The second is when's the pub going to reopen? And the third is, am I going to have to go back to the office when all this is over? What's Facebook doing? Because obviously you're a technology company. Are you going to stick to remote working? Are you reopening offices? Are you yourself looking forward to going back in an office, Steve? <laughs> well, I'm certainly, by the way, I'm certainly looking forward to both of those first two as well. And I know my my, you know, my teenage children are pretty keen on that as well. I'm certainly looking forward to you know, a pint with friends in the pub. But I mean, it's a huge question, this, and actually a really exciting one. So let me give you the really honest answer about am I looking forward to it. I've really missed being with, with team and the people I work with for sure. But I think like all of us are thinking, well, is it, is it going to be the same? You know, do, do we need to think, is this given us a real pause for thought about what does the future of work look like? You know, does it have to be one way or another? And I think the answer is probably going to be no. Like last year, we, we you know, we, we made an announcement that we predict that more than, or that the half of the people that work for Facebook within the next five to 10 years are going to be doing that remotely like fully, fully, fully uh, um, remotely. Every company, I think there's going to be an expectation that you innovate on this and you do think differently. And there are some huge advantages to this as well. There are big advantages um, um, from a perspective of inclusion. You know, actually, why if prospects are only limited to certain geographies, actually having a more open, remote-based workforce, that really opens up opportunities for people and opportunities for companies to have a more inclusive, the most inclusive workforce um, that, um, that's possible. We think that's really key to innovation. And actually, I'm also quite excited about, you know, what the future of work might look like, even in the, the, the kind of seemingly very advanced world of, of VR as well. Um, you know, things like Oculus 2, uh, Oculus Quest 2, which we, has been a huge success um, over, uh, over the kind of Christmas season um, that we launched. You, know, you do get a sense of what it might be like to have a working environment that's virtual, that's at home, and is at the office as well. So lots of questions to answer, but why, uh, you know, but the aspiration, of course, is what this does is uh, um, creates better working environments for all of us, more opportunity for uh, everyone. I think every business has to ask themselves, am I right at the innovation edge of what my people are, are expecting from me? 
And that's the leader. Keep up to date with breaking news with the Evening Standard's live blog. You'll find that at standard.co.uk. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>